The following program is sponsored by Fairly Spiritual on KCIS. Hello, everyone. It's Pastor Doug Bursch, and you're listening to the Friday edition of the Fairly Spiritual Show. Oh, excuse me, the Black Friday edition. This show will not be discounted or on sale. You have to pay full price. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Hope you're doing all right today. On today's show, we're going to talk about how Jesus ministered in and through community. He didn't just gather disciples around him so that he could make little Jesuses. He ministered with other people because it would have been sin to minister alone. We'll talk about that more and other sales items on today's Fairly Spiritual Show. Black Friday. I'm assuming that if you're listening to the show, you might be in the car traveling from sale to sale, maybe. Yeah? How's it going so far? You get what you want? Was it worth it? I'm not judging you. Well, maybe a little bit. Okay, this is how it works. I know how it is. Some of you love doing those Black Friday sales. You just love it. And now I'm not a big fan of Black Friday sales because I don't like feeling stressed. But also, I can't judge anyone because I don't do the Christmas shopping. My wife does that. In fact, on Christmas, I found that I'm the only one who's surprised when the presents are open. Everyone else in my house knows what's in those gifts. I'm the only one. I'm like, oh, wow, that's interesting. Everyone else knows what's going on. The kids know what they're getting. Mom knows what she got them. It's just, I don't even know why we wrap them up. I mean, the kids have always known. I mean, they even knew when they were like toddlers, they knew what kind of uh, uh, rattle they were going to get. But but anyway, uh, for those of you who enjoy this or just need to get the good deals, excellent, good for you. Others, maybe you're at home, you're, you're listening to the show, enjoying yourself and just relaxing. That's great. Uh, some people leave the radio on for their birds. Hello, birds. How's it going? I'm glad you could listen to the show. Tweet, tweet. Uh, so anyway, I'm enjoying myself. On this uh, Thanksgiving weekend, we usually do uh, two Thanksgivings. Uh, On Thanksgiving Day, we will celebrate. uh, I I come from a family where there's five kids. I'm the middle child. And on Thanksgiving, we will celebrate with the families that we married into. So we do that. And then on another day on the weekend, we will celebrate with our family. So I celebrated Thanksgiving on Thursday with my wife's family, and then on Saturday I will celebrate with our family. And you know what that means, that's just way too much pie. And as I'm trying to lose weight, it's a lot of declined pie, and that's tough. So you can pray for me, just declining pie. That's that's sorrow, isn't it, really? Just declining pie. But, you know, we all, we all have to go through our different persecutions, so that's that's mine uh, this Thanksgiving weekend. But most importantly, we're with family. I know for some of you, it ain't very fun with family. We, we get that, right? You know, it's okay to say that. You're not a bad person to say you, you survived. You don't enjoy time with family. That doesn't make you a bad person. Uh, not everybody's family is fun to hang out with. And so uh, good for you. I want you to know this, that God doesn't come to condemn you. He understands. God's your advocate. Uh, he's your friend. 
Uh, so when you enter, some of you went into settings that were really difficult. And uh, I believe your Heavenly Father is proud of you for your willingness to go into that room and, and try to get along and try to connect and, and try to hang out with people who might not have been very good to you. Uh, so with that, try your best today to do what you can do to you know, worship the Lord and have a little joy in your life. Uh, so a couple things. I guess uh, today is Black Friday, and then what's tomorrow? Tomorrow is Small Business Saturday, and then it's Medium <laughs> Business Sunday, I think, and then Cyber Monday, and then give whatever you have left on Tuesday, and then it's Regret What You've Done Wednesday. I, too many too many names for these days, but maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe you should pray and not let your days be dependent upon someone naming them. That's just just something to throw out there for you uh, to think about. Here's something to think about, though. Uh, you can text this show at any time. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to answer your text during the show because that would be rude and be kind of lousy to just be dead space during the show. But you can text the show, 360-818-4513. Also, the show's recorded so that you're, you're not going to, I'm sorry to ruin the magic here, but your text is not going to come through to me right now. But you can text me, 360-818-4513. That's 360-818-4513. You can leave a message as well, but you can do both. You can be more passive, like I don't really want to talk to him. You can text 360-818-4513, or you can leave a message, 360-818-4513. And speaking of Black Friday and great sales, my book is not on sale because I don't make hardly any money off it, and I can't put it on sale. But for a wonderful price of $15, and no, not $14.99 because I wanted you to pay that extra penny, you can pick up my book, The Community of God, A Theology of the Church from a Reluctant Pastor, and it really is a great stocking stuffer for your children. And when I say that, I don't mean that at all. That would be a terrible stocking stuffer. Your kids would hate you. But your wife or your spouse or yourself, you might like it, or your church might like it. So The Community of God, A Theology of the Church from a Reluctant Pastor, you can pick that up at Amazon.com, or you can find out more information at FairlySpiritual.org. Remember to keep this show on the air. You need to donate. To not keep this show on the air, just keep doing what you're doing and don't donate. That's Those are the two options. <laughs> so if you want me not to be on the air... Just keep doing what you're doing. But but if you'd like the show to stay on the air, go to fairlyspiritual.org and donate today, and that would help us out greatly. I get it. You can't donate to everything. But if you donate, that would be wonderful, fairlyspiritual.org. Enough. Let's get into today's topic. This, to me, is of tremendous interest. Uh, sometimes you'll read these leadership books, or maybe you don't, but as a pastor, there's all kinds of leadership books, so many leadership books, because nothing we want to do for a pastor more than make them feel bad about their leadership. Well, maybe that's, that's not the goal, but there's so many leadership books with leadership principles, and they talk about all the ways you can become a better leader, and they often you know, use Jesus as an example or Paul as an example. But what I've noticed is so many of the leadership books are structured about individuality. And in the last, uh, I don't know, like six or seven Fridays, I've been focusing in on different chapters from my book, The Community of God, and focusing in on how the Bible is as much about community as it is about the individual. In fact, you, you can't even separate those categories. It's always about both. God always looks at us as an individual in community and a community full of individuals. You can't separate one. It's not a hierarchy that first you deal with the individual and then you deal with the community. And when it comes to the issue of leadership and when it comes to the issue of discipleship and when it comes to the issue of ministering 
together, we often miss the power of community. And one of the areas I think we radically miss it is in the ministry of Jesus. One thing, if you ever read a leadership book that says, you know, Christian leadership principles, you seldom see this, if ever. The first chapter seldom says this. The most important thing in being a leader is you need to make sure that you minister in pairs, that you minister in teams. But what you find in the scripture, and what I'm going to talk about a little bit today, is that the scripture has a model after model of leaders ministering in teams and in pairs. This concept of the CEO leading us, of the one powerful leader leading us, that, that might be an Old Testament leadership model, but it's not a New Testament leadership model. And yet you don't hear many books advocating for ministering in pairs. I've heard people talk doing ministry as a team, but often it's still just one coach and a bunch of players. But I'm talking about team as in team leadership, as in two people truly leading, as in two people truly leading the way. Now, a couple things, and I just want to start with Jesus, is that when people talk about Jesus leading, uh, I'm just going to ask you this question and see your perception, how much you've been maybe, I don't want to say brainwashed, but influenced by this individual age. Why did Jesus call the disciples to him? Now, there's a lot of answers to that, of course, but I just want to focus in on one area. Why did Jesus have disciples? And often in the West, in our individualistic world, it's portrayed this way. Well, you know, Jesus needs to share the message of the kingdom, so the disciples need to pass that on, so I get that. But it's also this concept of, well, Jesus is discipling, and he needs to disciple the disciples into little Jesuses. He's raising them up to be like him. And so we all need to raise people up to be like us. And, and there'll be these principles of there's the 12, and then there's the three, and we need to have at least three people we're really investing in, like you know Peter and, and uh, John, and, and then there's the 12, and then, all these, and then there's always going to be a Judas in the 12, and we have all these principles. But I want to get at this issue. There's a reason Jesus called the disciples to minister with him. The reason Jesus ministered with disciples is because it was, oh, I said is because. You're not supposed to say is because. You're supposed to say is. The reason Jesus uh, ministered with disciples is it would have been sin for him to minister alone. It would have been sin for Jesus to minister the kingdom alone. Yes, the Son of God. If the Son of God had gone out and ministered alone, he would have been sinning against the Father. Now you say, Doug, why are you saying that? That seems pretty extreme. Well, one of the roles of Jesus, one of his roles on earth, was to be the second Adam, to be the perfect man. Jesus is perfect God and perfect man, right? And to live the perfect human life, the sinless life, to be sinless on earth, incarnate, God in the flesh, to live as Adam did not live, to live sinless before God. We're going to look at this statement of why it would have been sin for Jesus to have ministered alone when we come back. Hey, thanks for listening to today's show. I so much appreciate it. You could help us out in a couple ways. Uh, partner with this ministry. Donate today. $25 keeps us on the air. $100 keeps us on the air. Donate. Go to fairlyspiritual.org. That's fairlyspiritual.org. Uh, also, I'd love for you to contact the show. You can text us or call us and leave a message. That's 360-818-4513. 360-818-4513. Forty-five thirteen. 
And yeah, stocking stuffers. Pick up my book, The Community of God, A Theology of the Church from a Reluctant Pastor. You can get that at Amazon.com. That's The Community of God by Douglas S. Birch. Your prayers, you listening, that makes all the difference in the world. All right. Thanks for listening. So here, here's the issue. Uh, I believe it would have been sin for Jesus to minister alone because as he was called to be, or as he came to earth to be the sinless, perfect second Adam, he was to live the way Adam was supposed to have lived. And as we've looked at in the last few weeks, humans are not supposed to be alone. It was not good for Adam to be alone, so community was created and Eve was created and humans are to express themselves not in isolation, but in and through community. We understand God, and we understand ourselves through community. The plan that God gave to Abraham was a community plan, that Abraham would be made into a people that would bless the rest of the people on the face of the earth. For Jesus to fulfill the promise that God gave to Abraham, Jesus needed to work through a people to form a people, to be a part of that promise, to form a people and to work through a people. It is sin for humans to minister alone. It is sin for humans to abide alone in isolation, to pull themselves away from community and to abide in isolation, and it would have been sin for Jesus to minister alone. Jesus came to earth to minister in the way that a human is supposed to minister, to be the perfect example of what humans are supposed to do. So Jesus showed us how to be human. And so he ministered the community of God, or he ministered the kingdom of God through community. And you see this in Luke 9, because Jesus didn't just disciple his disciples. He didn't just like, well, you know, I'm going to teach you a bunch of things. He shared ministry with them. In Luke 9, it says, And he called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he said to them, Take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, nor money, and do not have two tunics. And whatever house you enter, stay there. And from there, do not depart. And wherever they do not receive you, When you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And they departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. So that's what he did with the 12. He gave them authority to do what he's doing, to send them out in front of him. Now that's in Luke 9. And if you look in in Luke 10, he does this again, but not just with the 12. He does it with a larger group. And if you turn in your Bible, now if you're driving, that's very dangerous just to suddenly read your Bible. So you might want to read this later. But in Luke 10, it says, after the Lord appointed 72, excuse me, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him two by two into every town and places where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And then he gives them the same instructions that he gave the 12. So what we see here is that Jesus gives permission to the 12 and then to the larger group that follows, to the 72, 
to go out in pairs of two to minister the way he's ministering. Before these towns have even met Jesus, Jesus allows them to be to meet him through other people. It's, a, it's such a radical thing. I think we need to stop here and look at this for a second. Can you imagine if you wanted to make a good impression to a room full of people, to a town? Like, it's very important that you make a great impression to the city. And you sent people who didn't know much about you into that city to minister in your name, to speak on behalf of you. Would you do that? The Son of God, Jesus Christ, who's come to usher in the most important message of eternity, shares that ministry with these people who barely understand him. He shares the message of the kingdom and the authority of the kingdom with disciples who don't really understand even what the message of the kingdom is, who are still confused when he goes to the cross and deny him and reject him and and constantly don't understand what he's saying and what he's doing. And yet, while they don't understand what he's saying and what he's doing, he shares his authority with them for them to go in front of him into cities that he has not even gone into and to speak and to proclaim and to preach and to heal and to cast out demons in his name so that people begin to believe who Jesus is based on the witness of people who don't even really know Jesus that well. That's how powerful Jesus believes in sharing ministry. He believes in sharing ministry and in ministering together so much that he's willing to allow these humans who barely know him to mess up imaging him on earth. You know, humans were created in the image of God to image God on earth, and Jesus immediately shares that ministry with his disciples. Jesus knew it would have been sin to minister alone, so he didn't minister alone, and he immediately allowed the disciples to minister in his name. Not just to go into town and say, hey, we really can't do any stuff because we're you know, we're clearly not Messiah here, so we're just going to tell you that Jesus is coming, and he's going to do a lot of great things, and you guys need to get ready, and you probably should repent. He didn't send them in like John the Baptist even. You know, John the Baptist said, you know, prepare the way, repent, I'm going to baptize you. But John the Baptist did not receive this kind of authority. Instead, he gave an authority to these 72 and these 12 that he didn't give to John the Baptist. He gave them an authority to minister the kingdom right alongside with him. Shared ministry, pretty powerful. You see this issue of shared ministry in the work of when Jesus ascends and goes to be with the Father, he pours out the Holy Spirit, and what happens in the New Testament church? They minister in pairs. You don't find these, you know, one solitary, powerful leader of these mega expressions. What do you find? You find people going out in pairs. You find Paul and Silas and you, you find Paul and Timothy, you, you find Paul and Barnabas, I mentioned Paul a lot here, but there's always these pairings, these pairings of people. They go out in twos. They go out in teams. There's a Jerusalem council. Yes, there's leaders who rise up, but, but we understand that they are in councils and they are in pairs and they are in teams. We see that, here's one of the stories that we often forget, and it's so powerful, You know, Paul wouldn't even exist in his ministry without Barnabas. Paul had persecuted the New Testament church radically before he became a Christian. And he had this radical Damascus experience where he met the presence of Christ. 
But the New Testament church did not trust him, so he was stuck in Tarsus with this vision to be able to reach the church, but no one trusted him. But the New Testament church trusted Barnabas. And Barnabas was called the son of encouragement, and he had donated land, and he was seen trustworthy. And so the disciples, or the Jerusalem council, said to Barnabas, they said, you know, can you go to Antioch and can you encourage the church? And the church was in Antioch primarily because there had been persecution based on Paul's persecution. And they'd been scattered throughout the region. And Barnabas went and found Paul in Tarsus. And he understood that no one trusted Paul, but Barnabas understood that Paul had, had, had a vision. Paul had a calling, but he needed someone to bring him into community. So Barnabas went and found Paul, and he brought Paul to the Jerusalem council. And Barnabas said, you can trust him because you trust me. So Barnabas allowed the Jerusalem council to trust Paul. They were afraid of Paul, but because they trust Barnabas, they trusted Paul. And then Barnabas took Paul to Antioch, and Antioch didn't trust Paul, but because they trusted Barnabas, they trusted Paul. And in your Bibles, many of you have this thing that says Paul's first missionary journey, and I want you to know that that was not Paul's first missionary journey. That was actually Barnabas's first missionary journey, where he took Paul with him. Because everywhere they went, they went to places that Paul couldn't go to without Barnabas because they were places where Christians had been scattered based on Paul persecuting them before he was a Christian. But Barnabas brought Paul into the room and said, I know you hate this man, or you have hated this man, but he is now a believer, and you can trust him, and you can forgive him, and you can accept him, and you can listen to him. Paul's willingness to follow Barnabas' lead and Barnabas' willingness to bring Paul into relationship with community allows us to have Holy Scripture. Paul didn't minister alone. Barnabas didn't minister alone. They ministered in community. Jesus didn't minister alone. He ministered in community. Jesus, even in the night that he was going to be betrayed, he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he asked the disciples to stay awake because he needed community to be with him, and we get upset with that. We're like, oh, you know, a, a Savior shouldn't need community. No, he was fully God but fully human, and he was demonstrated that humans need people. It would have been sin for him not to ask for help. But of course, he was betrayed, and they fell asleep, and we see that Jesus is continually betrayed by communities just as we can be betrayed by communities. When Jesus carries the cross, he's so weak that, that for a while he needs someone to carry the cross for him. He lets someone carry the cross for him, and it's needed because there's words he needs to say on the cross. But if he didn't allow someone to carry the cross for him, he would not have been able to say those words because he's still in his human flesh. And instead of just saying, no, I'm going to do this on my own, he surrenders and allows Simon of Serene, he allows Simon to carry that cross so that he can do the work he needs to do on the cross. And even on the cross, he allows himself to be ministered to and to minister to others as he looks to the thief on the cross, and the thief on the cross acknowledges that he is the Messiah, and he ministers while in pain on the cross to the thief and says, today you'll be with me in paradise. The kingdom of God is not about selfish individuality. It's not about ministering in isolation. It's about ministering in and through community. Some of you are struggling because so much of your ministry is in isolation, and, and that isolation is not what we were created for. Here's some practical ways to move forward. In your family, gather your family together and pray for community solutions. This holiday, gather together and pray, 
how can we have a better holiday? How can we have a better Christmas? What are some ways we can work together and come up with community solutions where you're ministering together? What are some ways we can treat each other better? Gather together with your spouse. What are some ways we can do things better? It works better when you minister together. With your Christian friends, pray together. Ask for ways that you can strengthen your friendships and your relationships. At work, find other believers and gather intentionally for a Bible study or for a time of prayer and seek ways that you can minister together. In the church context, don't do things alone. Ask someone to help you. Ask someone to pray for you. Sometimes it's easier to do something alone. It feels like it's easier, but ask someone to come along with you. Find ways to minister the kingdom in community. And when you're facing a cross, turn over and look to someone near you and find a way to minister to them even in your agony and let them minister to you as well. Bless you. Love you. I appreciate you. The kingdom of God abide in your heart. Amen. All right. Hey, thanks for listening to today's show. If you'd like to text the show, text 360-818-4513. That's 360-818-4513. If you'd like to donate to keep the show on the air, go to fairlyspiritual.org. That's fairlyspiritual.org. And you can pick up the book, The Community of God, A Theology of the Church from a Reluctant Pastor to find out more about what I just talked about on today's show. Make room for the Lord. He knows you by name. He's not through with you. I will see you later. Proceeding broadcast was sponsored by Fairly Spiritual. When you write or call this program, be sure to mention you heard it on KCIS.